If any departure from politics ever looked terminal, it was the one David Cameron made in 2016. The British people have made a very clear decision to take a different path. And as such, I think the country requires fresh leadership to take it in this direction. I do not think it would be right for me to try to be the captain that steers our country to its next destination. In a little over a year, he had gone from winning himself a second term as Prime Minister and the Conservatives their first parliamentary majority in a quarter of a century to resigning in ignominy after the commission of an unforced error without equal in British political history. In a bid to shut up the headbanger wing of his own party, he had, instead of just saying, you know, shut up, headbanger wing of my own party, bet the country on a referendum and lost. But, as you may well have read, David Cameron is back. On Monday, UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak reshuffled his cabinet, or arguably rearranged his deck chairs. He ditched turbulent Home Secretary Suella Braverman and replaced her with broadly sensible Foreign Secretary James Cleverley, thus creating a vacancy at the Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office. To a chorus of astonished gasps and or delirious laughter, Sunak summoned... David, David Cameron! Cameron? What? <laughs> I was not expecting okay. that! OK. Before we get to the why, or perhaps more accurately, the why, we should look at the how. One likely point of bafflement that must be addressed is how Cameron could even be considered for the position when he has not been for some while a Member of Parliament, having preferred to scarper with unseemly haste rather than stick around to clean up the mess he had conjured. It is often forgotten that a British Prime Minister can actually appoint more or less whoever they like to their cabinet. It is merely convention that ministers, at least the very senior and publicly visible ministers, are also MPs. The Ministerial Code does insist that ministers should be members of the Commons or the Lords, but the latter, at least, is easily fixed. David Cameron is being hastily draped in off-the-rack ermine and anointed baron of somewhere or other in order to lend proceedings some veneer of legitimacy. And though it is unusual, certainly in recent decades, for lords to hold any of what the British call the great officers of state, Prime Minister, Home Secretary, Foreign Secretary, Chancellor of the Exchequer, it is not historically unheard of. The most recent Foreign Secretary, who was also a peer, was Lord Carrington, who resigned in 1982 for failing to notice that Argentina was about to invade the Falkland Islands, an epochal balls-up that gives Cameron a daunting standard to match in his new role. Form suggests he does have it in him. The most recent Prime Minister to actually lead the country from the Lords, fact fans, was Lord Salisbury, who had three whacks at the job between 1885 and 1902. There is an extremely pedantic case to be made for Alec Douglas Hume, who was technically a Lord and Prime Minister for four days after being asked to replace an ill Harold Macmillan in 1963, but Hume renounced his hereditary peerage and a few weeks later won election to the Commons in a convenient by-election. 
We at the Foreign Desk Explainer look forward to hearing from listeners who have used this knowledge to start riots at their local pub quiz. We turn now to Sunak's motivations for enacting this curious manoeuvre. One reason does not flatter the current Parliamentary Conservative Party, which is that Rishi Sunak surveyed his 349 Commons colleagues and decided that not one of them could be trusted to wander the world unsupervised, at which it is worth remembering how low this bar is, that in recent years the Tory party has allowed both Boris Johnson and Liz Truss to go to summits as Foreign Secretary and help make decisions about stuff. We import two-thirds of our cheese. That is a disgrace. This, in fairness to Sunak, is an inherent weakness of the Westminster parliamentary system. By the time any party has been in power 13 years, they tend to be running low on MPs who are not too old, too mad, too silly, too drunk, too disgraced, too compromised or too dead to be considered for high office. Another, and this one is fun for appreciators of bleak irony, in that just as an attempt to marginalise the Conservative Party's seething weirdo fringe forced Cameron out, something broadly similar has brought him back in. Rishi Sunak will have to face a general election sometime between now and late January 2025. Current polling portends an apocalypse, and Sunak seems to have calculated that his best faint hope is restricting the Tories' furniture chewers to gnawing on the backbenches and hoping that a familiar face will serve as a reassurance, rather than a reminder of who is chiefly responsible for the last seven years of utter nonsense to which the country has been needlessly subjected. And there is also, it should be conceded, the possibility that this might not be a completely terrible idea. Cameron is well-known, well-connected, not dogmatically hostile to Europe, has some grasp of how the world works. As for Cameron himself, the appeal is easier to diagnose. Even a likely short stint as Foreign Secretary offers some opportunity for redemption. A chance to be remembered, maybe not entirely, as the most egregious, complacent bungler who ever inhabited 10 Downing Street. Thank you very much. For Monocle Radio, I'm Andrew Muller. Right. <laughs>